This episode is brought to you by CEP Compression Australia. CEP Compression Apparel gives the user more energy, greater endurance, and enhanced performance during activities. For a discount at CEP, use the following code online, local legends in running. Welcome to the Local Legends in Running podcast, where you hear the stories of local legends in the Australian running community that you simply always wanted to hear. Today in Season 2, Episode 6, I interview young Brisbane runner in America, Gus Gannon. Gus attended the prestigious private school of BBC in Brisbane, finishing in the year of 2021. Last year, Gus had an amazing running year. He improved his 1,500-metre time up to his 10K significantly. These drastic improvements allow Gus to be accepted into the Rice University in America, where he trains predominantly now toward the 1500 meter, 3000 meters and steeple events. Although only 20 this year, Gus has experienced with prominent Brisbane club in training from a very young age. Pat Clough has his elite group through high school and now his time in America make for a very interesting and informative episode. That was my 200 meter PV back in the day. 26. (laughs) (laughs) And then dropping that at the end of a 5k. Yeah. Kind of crazy. All right, good start. Welcome to the Yeah, welcome to the Local Legends in Running podcast. Thank you for having me. So, mate, uh, what's the time over there? Is it 8 20 p.m.? Is that right? It's 9 20 for me. So, 8 20 for them, so because they're on the um, West Coast. So yeah. central time zone is different for me. Yeah. And just remind me, where, where are you based right now? What's the university or college you're at? So I'm at Rice University, which is a place in Houston, in Texas. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so it's a, a Friday night then at the moment or Saturday? Yeah, night? Friday night for me at the moment. Yeah, Friday night. So how did this morning look for running? Uh, this morning, so um, I, so along my floor, like, there's like a lounge room across the hall from me. So Thursday nights is party night. So it was up a bit late because I just can't sleep when they're across the hallway from me. So I slept in a bit this morning. So no double in the morning. And then I had a speed session this afternoon, which was pretty nice. Yeah. And you don't join the Thursday night party on a weekly basis, Gus? Not on a weekly basis. <laughs> you know, sometimes if I can't sleep, I'll walk across the hallway and like, you know, sit in there while people are doing their thing. But yeah, yeah. it's not. 
And yeah, how, when how late do they go? Normally it's like 1230 and then they go down to the pub after that. So yeah. And what yeah. time are you waking up for runs over there? Or what's the general consensus or norm in America? Like bedtime wake up times as a runner. Elite See, runner. because of stuff like that, it's all over the shop for me. So sometimes if we've got a morning session, like if we're doing a longer tempo, that sort of thing, you know, we'll be at the park at like seven o'clock in the morning, ready to go. So we're warming up at like 6.30. But then if someone's up until 12, you sort of say, hey, coach, can I just like shift it later <laughs> in the afternoon? You know, so he like the coach is aware of this situation because there's a couple of other people in that boat. So some days we know, right, that's party night. So we'll have an afternoon session today, that sort of thing. So we yeah, sort of work around, yeah. our way around it. But you'd come from predominantly afternoon sessions, right? That was your thing back in the day, back in Australia? Yeah, that was my thing just because, you know, can't quite get up and about to run fast early in the morning. You know, I, I was a morning person. You know, I'd get up and do uni work early, that sort of thing. And I was always at BBC early when I was at school and when I was coaching. But, yeah, running fast in the morning is just not for me. Yeah, it's tough. 7 a.m. is okay, though. It's not like it's 4.30 or 5. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's manageable. And mate, uh, this one's a long time coming in a way, but uh, we've had a few requests. Most requests have come from Aiden Hobbs. Uh, he's pretty close <laughs> to you. Any other guests on here that um, you're friendly with or have run with in any way? I mean, I've run with Kai a couple of times, you know, just like when he was here because, you know, getting to Stanford's pretty impressive and I wanted to sort of, you know, figure out how he did in his process of getting over here. I'm fairly close with um, Jude and Clay as well. Yes. I know yep. them pretty well. Jude, I've been racing all the time. Uh, long run on Sundays with Callum back home, Callum Davies. Cal Davies, so, yeah. 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 Been, it's just about half the podcast, <laughs> like the regulars that I've run with a lot. So. That's why I thought I'd get you on here. Yeah. And what about Matty Hansen? He was on the, about two or three weeks ago. Oh, yeah, Matt. It's yeah. funny. Um, we've got a rice home meet in, I think, like five weeks' time that New Orleans is coming to. So, It'll be fun to have Matt in town to, you know, have a little yeah. bit of a reunion. That's so cool. And what about Kai Robinson over there? Will you have any kind of races together at the same venue or in the same race or anything like that? It depends on how good I get, you know, yeah. he's because he's so good, you know, he's getting into all the top meets and stuff like that. I'm not quite there. So maybe give me a year, two years, you know, I might maybe get to that level. I hope I get to that level, but yeah. At the moment, maybe not. There might be, if I if Kai goes to Brian Clay, I don't know what his schedule looks like, but probably if I make NCAA West Regionals outdoors, that'll probably be the first time I see him. So yeah, yeah. I guess it's a little bit different than QA meets back in uh, Brisbane, where the field can be spread. I was there with you actually October or November last year when you'd won it, and I think that your winning time was thirty thirty one, if I'm correct. Something and around the, that, yeah. The slowest runner was about 42 minutes and there was about 10 to 15 of us. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that QA 10K, yeah. Yeah, it's a very wide like difference compared to, you know, Queensland's a lot more local sort of thing, whereas this is very structured. You know, there's a yeah. lot of very good guys in this system. Yeah. I just wanted to use that race actually as a bit of a, um, a way of setting the scene because there was some kind of, wasn't there some kind of accolade or achievement or record involved in that 30-31 for like an age group under 19 or 18 or 20 or something like that? Uh, I think Brian said I was the youngest person to win it, like equal youngest person. 
Oh, it was on so the, I don't think the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think it was the time. I think it was winning that race, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Still 30-31 when it seems your training's been geared to events shorter than 10K was certainly a feat at that time of year. Yeah, it was pretty good. You know, Hobbsy and I, we were trying to give 30 a crack in that race because I'd run 30.07, I think it was, of the Gold Coast on the road. So I thought I was pretty fit and, you know, Aiden had run sub 30 on the road but not on the track. But, you know, it just wasn't our night. Neither of us pulled it off, but still had a pretty good run, all things considered. Yeah, I thought he was pacing a bit. He was actually intending to to run and continue through to the end, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Um, yeah. At that point of the year, like um, one of his sons, Nathan, was, you know, going through some rough stuff, you know, he had nightmares and stuff like that. So I hadn't been sleeping well and he was training for the World Mountain Running Champs at that time and stuff like that. So he wasn't doing a whole lot of track work super fast. So that might have caught up with him as well. Yeah, it rings a bell. I, I do recall him talking about something around that. Uh, but I, I like in the commentary lately, I, I recall in that particular race too, they were giving the local legends in running podcast a shout out as we were circling <laughs> around Cusack, which was pretty cool. But I've noticed uh, even watching streams and stuff that um, whomever is commentating, you might know, he's doing a, a wonderful job. Well, uh, I think Brian was on that one, but Matt Lynch is also yeah. another legend. And, you know, yeah. He's great on the mic, you know, and he gets as excited for like the under 12 division 600 meters as he does like the opens 1500 with like pro athletes. Like, yes, yeah. Great. Yeah. And I think, um, I think Aiden Hobbs actually was the one who set that up to, to get the call out for the local legends. But, um, <laughs> and, and Churchy was in there too as we had come around the, the finish line. Pretty cool. Naturally. Hey, uh, did you get into the World Champs Cross at all? Uh, no. So I just made it into the Open age category this year. And so I would have had to fly back for the trials and then I would have been up against Brett Robbins and Jack Rayner Rambo. Like, I wasn't making that team. There was no point trying. So I hadn't stayed over here. So yeah, no, never made World Cross. Yeah, yeah. actually, the intention of that question was about watching it. But um, now you're oh, watching it. Of... Sorry. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> No, no, I didn't watch that. Um, it was late and it was um, in conference week for us. So yeah, we um, essentially GPS equivalent. So I had to get to bed early that night. It was at two yeah. o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. But good to see, um, again, Kai's coming up, but Kai Robinson in first and ahead of guys like Brett Robinson and Jack Rayner, which was really cool to see. And and the course looked um, tough, but good fun for the athletes out there. So fun those, those tires that everyone's like zigzagging through. Like, yeah, what was that? I think that was weird. I'm surprised Emma Coburn was the only one to try and hurdle them. Like, yeah. she's a phenomenal steeplechaser, but I'm surprised more people didn't try and jump them. They couldn't kind of run a straight line through them. Hey, you have to kind of deviate in some kind of way. Yeah, most people were either zigzagging or you could have jumped over them, but I don't know how high they were because I wasn't there for any reference. So maybe jumping them was a bad idea, but. You know, a bit, a bit more entertaining and say, uh, you know, you went through uh, BBC and we'll get there shortly about your time there. But um, a lot of the GPS, even practice meets uh, and Churchy's one of them. It's uh, amazing surface and, and grass, but they're certainly not um, hilly and have all the obstacles and things like that on them. Oh, some of the like that, um, that big park Friday night meet, that's a pretty rough one. Like, you know, he's just like ankle breaking along the top because of the camber. And I think Nudgy used to put hay bales. For a couple of years yeah right their courses to like jump over things but that was 
when I was in junior school. So that was ages ago. Actually, Minipi's been okay over the years. Um, off off the bikeway and sort of through the longer grass and over some logs and things. Yeah, yeah. Hey, let's get to uh, let's get to a bit more about you, Gus. Uh, off the track. So, um, age wise, your second is this your second or third year out of school? This is my second year out of school. Yeah, so you'd be twenty this year then. Yeah, twenty this year. Yeah, when's your birthday? July, so a little while away. Yeah, okay. Got got a date for us? <laughs> Just uh, name, uh, address, <laughs> phone number. Yeah. Um, and what about like, yeah, through how are you feeling time away from uni and running? Any um, any interests or hobbies that uh, buy time? So um, at the moment, it's pretty intense because one of the reasons why I picked Rice, why I came here, is because uni here is so intense. You know, it's a very academically rigorous place. But outside of uni, you know, all through school, I was doing music, robotics, that sort of thing. So, oh, right. you know, I like tinkering around with those sorts of things. You know, you, I played the double bass all through school, pull out dad's bass guitar every now and then. And yeah, with robotics, you know, before I was a runner, I was a robotics guy. And, you know, if you want to pull that out a bit more, you know, I think I credit part of the robotics to how I ended up being such a good runner yeah Yeah, right yeah how (laughs) yeah so it was like i was probably a robotics guy right so i was you know doing doing my thing and it just we um bbc has a very very competitive robotics program and it sort of it taught me how to have a really good work ethic and you know we were just working our butts off you know we were in there pulling three hour days after school you know and then um I was fortunate enough in year 10, our um, our team went to the world championships in Sydney and they were in one of the school holidays and we were pulling 12 hour days in that school on those holidays to get ready for them. And yeah, we ended up going to those world championships. And then the following year I got dropped from the team. Like, you know, you get dropped from the soccer team, that sort of thing. And so I had all this time on my hand and I was, you know, used to just sinking all this time into robotics. I'm like, what do I do now? You know, I'm not in the top team anymore. And so I sort of just took that work ethic and then sunk it into running. And that's sort of, if you look at where I started to really get good, it was around that time. So yeah, it's a bit of fun. It's very interesting. So just um, someone like me or anyone who doesn't know much about robotics, what does that actually entail? So if you're preparing or training in any way and then, then on the day, what does that look like? So what we were doing is we... So the format that we had, there was a competition called Robo Cup and it was basically a bunch of schools and teams and we were in the soccer division. So we had like these two little robots that were 22 centimetres across or like circular things and they chased a ball around like a miniature soccer field and they played like a sort of, you know, game of soccer. And um, so, you know, we designed them ourselves in 3D modelling software. We then machined the parts that we needed you know 3d printed whatever we designed the circuit boards for them programmed them to run autonomously because that's what you had to do for the competition so you know it was just sort of getting that stuff up and running you know if something caught fire you know we'd have to try and fix it that sort of thing so yeah right yeah yeah very interesting hey hey, what about um i sort of thought about uh food like are you cooking it all over there or is it pretty much like a like a border kind of lifestyle so what, um, because I'm living on campus at the moment, as part of that, you get, you know, a certain number of meal swipes at the uh, 
canteen. So, you know, it's cafeteria type food. But cafeteria food is actually pretty good, if I'm being completely honest. Like, it's no home cooked meal, but yeah, it's, you know, they're providing the cooking, which is kind of nice. Oh, for sure. Uh, and, you know, when you're at that age, you, I, I remember being 20, not knowing anything about cooking, but uh, <laughs> getting, getting it good for the moment. Yeah, yeah. The, might be an incentive not to move off campus. You know, keep getting <laughs> three meals a day made for me. Hey, mates, I've got a screenshot of all your PBs off um, your World Athletics profile, which is always handy when you are running at your level. So happy for me to read those out to set the scene in terms of your running achievements or PBs rather. Go for it. You can kind of work around, I guess, the achievements that are there because they don't actually explain them uh, and some context around them. Uh, and they're all last year, but the indoor ones this year. Uh, and you've great to see a 3K now, sub eight, which was um, only, what, three weeks Two ago? Two weeks ago? But, Two, three weeks, yes. Yeah, so yeah. Very recently, yeah. Yeah. Did you post about that or something on Instagram or somewhere? I've seen or heard about yeah, it. Yeah, I did, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you feel about that, breaking eight? That's that's awesome. It was something pretty special. Like I ran 803 the week before and we knew we were going to Boston to run fast because I don't know if Kai's mentioned this, but the Boston University track is renowned for being extremely fast. So, you know, the we had that race, you know, on the calendar for a while, but we just didn't know what I wanted to do, whether I wanted to run a mile, a 3K or a 5K. And when I ran 803 at conference, I was like, oh, that was so close. You know, I'm going to have to go for go for eight, in Boston, so that's when we decided to do that, and didn't mean to cut it so fine. You know, it was like fifty nine point six, seven fifty nine point six. So, yeah, but I'm very happy to get under eight minutes. Yes, I'm doing the math right now. Sub two forty pace, right? Just under, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's moving to say you you can run at two thirty pace. Well, two thirty ish. And then looking at this interesting medley relay. Uh, 9.50. Oh, the distance medley relay, yeah. So uh, that's what, two um, weeks. Yeah, a week or so prior. Yeah. Yeah, so that was at that conference meet. So that's a, um, there's a 1,200, a 400, an 800, and a 1,600. And so that's four guys. So I was on the 1,600 leg of that. Oh, right. Okay. Anyway, back to the other PVs. The 800 you haven't done for a while. That's 157 rounded, 140 seven uh, sorry 347.8 for the 1500 3000 is oh well this is 8 10 27 lakeside uh december last year 5000 so back 14 31 97 10000 was the one we spoke about earlier 30 31 steeple we've had a go at that last year march so 9 63 i'd love to know more about that then noosa 1505 was that the bolt last year that was the bolt, yeah. <laughs> and then Goldie. Actually, I recall I might have seen you there. I'll run into you um at Goldie thirty oh seven for the ten k, which I think put you in the top ten ish, didn't it? I think it was somewhere around that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, let's backtrack to that eight hundred because that's pretty solid. That you haven't done one for a while. Uh the eight hundred. Yeah, no, it's um. I've run 156 every year for the last three years. Yeah. It's been 156 <laughs> point something. So it says it's from two years ago, but I've run basically the same time. Yeah. I think just because I don't care enough about 800s to properly rip a fast one. You know, I have a joke with a couple of my friends. I reckon I'm probably going to finish a 1500 in 155 before I run an 800 in 155. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. I was just thinking the other day too, like the guys like we spoke about earlier, like Matt Hansen, Jude Thomas, uh, Kai, yourself, uh, you seem to all, it seems like the 3,000 almost equally your strengths for whatever, for whatever reason. I think maybe that's because of running to that more so in school. Obviously, you're not going to be a marathoner or half marathoner or even 10K perhaps, but the 3K seems to be where either these guys are working underneath that or above it because of, you know, it's not an Olympic event or as uh, prominent out there in the running calendar, so to speak. Yeah, I think just because the 3K is such a like juniors based event, you know, it's like our version of the 5K, you know, and the uh, the 5K for the under 20s is the 10K equivalent. So I think the long distance guys end up doing that sort of 3K 1500 thing at that under 20 level. And then, you know, you can drag the 1500 guys up to get them to 3K, you know, so it's sort of like a big converging point of all the different disciplines, definitely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, uh, and then the 1430 at Uh it's moving, 1430. Are you happy with that time? Is it something you're working towards over there as well? Yeah, so um, the coach here, because um, a lot of the time we're chasing points at our conference meet, so I'm mainly going to be running 1500s and steeples this season because that's where the big points are. But I do think there's a fair bit left in that 5k you know i'm i feel like i'm in better than 1430 shape but there's yeah how we're gonna fit it in on the calendar given what we've got in terms of the steeple are they running uh the two different distances or just the one it's just the 3k and it's just the high height yeah yeah and um they are outdoors right steeple yeah always outdoors yeah yeah uh it's interesting so what we're picking picking one as your your Best PB, which one would you pick? The three game is probably the best one. Like sub eight, definitely. Yeah, and that's like I recall you running sort of eight twenty, that's eight twenty-five ish back in school. Is that right? Something around that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. like the mid to high eight twenties. Which is massive for a couple of years to be there now. So that's exciting moving forward. Mm. Hey, let's um let's wind the clock back a bit. Uh you've alluded to a bit around BBC already. Um, but I'd love to get into the where in training started. Actually, Aiden Hobbs sent me through a photo of a young Gus Gannon. Uh, <laughs> if it's the one I'm thinking of, I'm very scared. I'll see if I got it for you. One second. Where is he? For the listeners at home, Ollie's probably going to put this on the Instagram <laughs> when he uh, puts this up. Oh, where's he gone? I've posted about six things this morning and it's getting a bit of traction on here. Oh, here it is. Okay, that's not the one that I thought. I, he has an older one than that. But yeah, I have been running for in training. Oh, there since we go. Zoom very in. little, very little one like that. Yeah. Yeah. So that I'm looking at a photo from Twilight. With that, yeah, that's that's Twilight UQ for sure. But yeah, um, you must in this photo, you must be about oh no later than ten primary school. Yeah. Yeah, something around that. Yeah. So before we get to the in training where that started, um, how did how did the upbringing look, Gus? Where where were you living? What was mum and like mum and dad like in you know were they involved in the running or influencing in any kind of way brothers sisters uh environmental factors all those kind of things that led to you being a runner yeah so um i am an only child you know we live out in mount crosby so sort of close to where Drew was describing in last week's episode was he last week who's that sorry jude 
Jude, yes. Oh, yeah, he was last week, yeah. Yeah, so um, in that Mount Crosby area, so sort of on the Ipswich, towards Ipswich side of Brisbane, um, mum and dad weren't really runners, you know, but um, they entered us in the Bridge to Brisbane 5K or 4.5K, whatever it was at the time, when I was, I think I might have been like five or something like that. And, you know, they, I ran the whole way and they're like, wow, this kid, this kid can run, you know? So then that's how I started with in training is, you know, mum sort of looked around and said, where, uh, what's a good running club in Brisbane? And, you know, she found in training, you know, took me down to Monday afternoon kids sessions with Steve and Margo and yeah, it sort of started there. Yeah. So where, where were they running that from? Is this, how old were you exactly? I was about five or six at this point. Oh, really? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I was like tiny and they've got like a great kids program. That was run out of um, Anzac Park. So just around the corner from BBC. That's so good. Are they still doing it? I've got a two-year-old in three years will be five. Is there something available to kids? Yeah, it should be. <laughs> uh, Margot still has a kids group. I think Jack Cook Park's another one. So yeah. Yeah. Anzac Park and Jack Cook Park were the two kids groups. And then I think there was one, Um, I think they might have a Chermside kids group as well now. Yeah. Yeah. So this is like, you know, prep year one kind of time of your life. What have you definitely got memories of running around as a small kid at that age? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah I definitely do. You know, it was so much fun. You know, I just like go down to training, have a bit of fun. You know, I was the smallest one there. So it was, you know, me running around with all the big kids, you know, that sort of thing. But, <laughs> yeah. No, I loved it. Oh, that's great. And did, so did that lead then into like, where'd you go to primary school and that lead into then, the what what age did they start for you the like cross country was it year four so um i was lucky enough to go to bbc my whole way through oh straight and there so, yeah um, yeah so it was straight to bbc from prep and yeah um we had cic which was meant to be from year four upwards this is before junior became part of the gps and so that was a different competition called the cic but in year three russell hansen the uh director of cross country because I was nine years old and the youngest age was under nines. He used to smuggle me into the Friday night meets because I was nine years old. So, you know, I'd still go on the bus to all the meets and stuff like that with all the guys, but he couldn't get me into the CRC champs when I was in year three. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So year four CRC and then year five, it moved to GPS for cross country and track. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah. How, how'd that, that, those sort of later years in primary, look and and go for you in terms of like any uh representative what, what um what oh, no. is it met, met met what met is it met north met east met west, west? We are. Met west. yeah yeah we're west um i made it to regionals in primary school but never passed regionals you know i was i was okay but i wasn't amazing yeah and they run yeah. 3k 3k is the years rings a bell two or 3k yeah yeah you, what year did you finish primary year six was still a part of uh, the final year six was the final year for you yeah yeah, yeah. 2015 that would have been yeah okay and then into bbc uh come year seven what was that like and who, like who was coaching how were the sort of runners around you at that point in time was was running uh, a bigger thing in your year level compared to others we um so i was sort of like the third year down of the great BBC master plan that ended up happening. You know, BBC recently has had a whole range of successes in crosses. You know, it's been however many times we've been in the top threes at school. So um, we had my grade, which was pretty competitive. 
but then the age group above me, like two years above me, we had like Pat Figgerson and those guys, Will Steven, just smashing him. And then we have people like Will O'Mara. So there was definitely, I had a lot of guys to look up to at that point, but um, I was still mostly training within training at the time. You know, I'd do, you know, one session a week within training or two within training and then one with BBC, that sort of thing. You know, just so I could be in and around the team a bit. But yeah. It was predominantly training with the in-training people and then you know, Friday nights with the BBC boys. Yeah, right. So back then, like when I went through high school, even wearing a watch was hardly even a thing, right? And now I'm sounding fairly old compared to you, Gus. But like, do you recall tracking runs back then or how far you might have run for a week? I had the old GPS watches that would like give me K splits and how far I'd run, but it didn't connect to Strava or anything like that. It, yeah, uh, I guess they might have tracked training, how yeah. far I ran in a week, yeah. but I don't remember tracking that myself. Yeah. And were you balancing that around any other sport as well? I tried a whole bunch of things. You know, I tried tennis. I um I was part of the BBC sailing team as well. That was fun. Um tried soccer, but it was pretty shocking at all of them. Like yeah. I, I definitely running was definitely my best thing. So that's what stuck. Yeah, so fast forward, you, you spoke about robotics earlier and that that sort of year 10 age, 15, 16, coming through there and then getting more into the running. So how did how did that look and, and, and what sort of times and paces were you running at that time of your life? So ooh, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. So um, that end of year 10 was the first time I actually made a GPS track and field team. You know, I hadn't made the team up until year 10 and just running at GPS, that sort of gave me the bug. I was like, oh, I want to keep doing this, you know, try and make the team every year. So it was that sort of summer holidays. I just randomly decided, hey, I'm going to run, you know, by by the end of the holidays, I want to be running 70K a week. You know, I just pulled that number out of thin air. You know, I was like, eh, 10Ks a day. Yeah, 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 true. I average. So, you know, I sort of just started running more, you know, started doing more easy runs. And um, yeah, it was around that time that I met Aiden and Brendan and the rest of the Pat Chloe squad. And that definitely gave me a boost in my running. And it's Brendan Press. Yeah, uh, Brendan Press, um, Aiden, those guys. And yeah, I think my 1500 over that summer dropped like 15 seconds. I think my 800 dropped four seconds, my 3K. I don't know how much my 3K dropped by, but it was something stupid. You know, I definitely got good over that summer and sort of held it through. And this is year 10 into 11, right? Yeah, this is end of year 10 to start of year 11. Yeah, yeah. So then uh, within GPS athletics or cross country in year 11 and 12, how'd you fare there? And then representative stuff beyond the the schooling uh, races and uh, yeah, meets and things like that. Yeah, so um, year 11, I came third in the Open Cross Country at Jeeps and then track and field, I won the Open 1500. And then year 12, I was second in cross and third in the Open 3K at track. 3K. And then, so you went 1500 to 3K, year 11 to 12. Yeah. Yeah, who, who ran the 1500? Flynn Pumper did. Yeah, it's we, yeah, we were a second course. apart, so yeah, yeah, yeah. We he were, ran the we 800 were, too, didn't he? 
No, Matt Bennett ran the 800. So we had oh, three separate Brad. guys run the eight, the 15. Oh, wow. Three. Yeah. Yeah. That must have been, must have been great to have those guys there pushing you along in training and events and practice meets. Yeah. It was great to keep me accountable. You know, I couldn't get complacent. Otherwise my head was definitely on the chopping block. So, you know, they sort of kept me working hard there. Definitely. Okay. Yeah, just to give us an idea of times too. So across year 11 and 12, let's say 1,503K, what times were you putting down? Or what were your PBs so, by end of year 12? By end of year 12, I had a 353, 1,500 and 826, I think, 3K was end of year 12. And I think it was a 1445K, roughly. Yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, something around that. Yeah, yeah. And then in terms of like regional uh, states? Um, that in my, um, in year 11 and 12 was still COVID years. So oh. we made it to regionals and they canned it, you know. That's awful. Both times. I think I might've gotten states in year 12, but um, yeah, we didn't get nationals or anything like that. So we um we got like the QA nationals for track when I was in year 11 and 12, but none of the school sports stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, post school, you had uh, a year out or two years, year and a half a year. out a year. So you went then continued with Pat's group with Aiden and Brendan and the guys in that first year out? Yeah. So continue with them. And I was um, studying part-time at UQ in that time and then working a bit because I knew I was planning on coming over here, but you know, wanted to work a bit because of my student visa limits, how much I can work, that sort of thing. So yeah, I wanted to get a little bit of spending money before I came over and yeah, I wanted to, you know, keep the brain ticking over. So I was part-time at uni as well. Yeah. Okay. So just give, an, uh, give us an idea of the training you were doing in that year and any races or events that you're proud of through that time and, and any improvement in, in like evidence as to any improvement, like within training or races that you saw just in that first year. In that first year, so it was sort of, you know, three sessions a week, pretty typical. Hills Tuesday, track Thursday, tempo Saturday, two long runs, you know, medium long run Wednesday, yeah, long, long run Sunday, and then a couple of easy jogs sprinkled in there as well. Um, I think just in that time, it was just stacking more of the same. Like I was doing fairly similar training in year 11 and 12 as well. Like maybe just... I think I upped my Ks from 90Ks in year 12 to by the end of last year, I was running 120 a week. So just sort of upping the Ks and just stacking weeks and months of consistent training was sort of what got me to where I am. And then that sort of could be seen when, you know, that 8, 10, 3K that you mentioned, you know, that was a pretty big race for me because at the start of the year, I had like an 826 somewhere. So it was like around a 15 second dropping my 3k over that yeah, time wow. you know running that 30 minute 10k was pretty special because i forgot my watch that day so i had no clue what pace i was running and then you know look at the clock at halfway and see 14:50 and worry you know i'm gonna blow up and ended up running 30 so that was another big one like a big marker saying hey you're getting pretty fit here kid you know keep going oh for sure and, and a guy like aiden hobbs who if you're you know, into your running recreationally or at a high level, you would generally know Aiden if you, you know, race and compete in Brisbane. So how has his influence been towards you over the years? Like, and how long had you known him until that end of that 
first year out? So I sort of I sort of found the um pack close group through Brendan Press. You know, we were at the uh, I think it was a fifteen up three K Tuam gift, which was like a oh, grass yes. thingy, yes. and he sort of said, you know, come along to training. You know, we if you want, you know, we train Tuesdays, Thursdays at UQ, whatever. So I was like, oh, okay, you know, go along to push me. And those two just rinsed me every session. But you know, having someone who's been through it all, like Aiden, who's run everything, and like Brendan, who's got state medals and run really fast, you know, just having them sort of mentoring me, you know, saying, hey, don't worry about it. You know, the fitness will come, just trust in the process, you know, that sort of thing. It was it was definitely great to be around some more mature people that made sense like a lot of the time people in school just trained with their school people and it was just nice to have almost some wisdom there from those two so those two were like a big part of who I became eventually oh definitely and what about just simply conversations you know training with someone who's almost double your age in Aiden Hobbs and Brendan he, he's um what in his early 30s he's still a, a bit older than you like, no, he's with, late twenties. Late twenties. Late twenties. Oh, geez, I'm wrong there. Sorry, Brendan, if you have a listen. Um, he seems to have been around for ages, though, Brendan. That's probably mm, yeah, why. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was um, really weird, like just talking to those guys because you did have such big age gaps. You know, you had me at you know 17, 18, and then Aiden was there with two kids. You know, complaining about you know taking the kids to daycare, and I'm worried about my maths <laughs> homework that's due that night. Yeah, you know, so. And then you had, you know, we had such a wide range of people in that group. It was, you know, the topics would vary. You know, we had Jack Salcedo, who was a podiatry student, and then he had an electrical engineer training with us. So the conversations on the warm-up and cool-down would vary greatly, to say the least. Let's look at America. Talk to us about how America came about and, yeah, the flight over there. Even that's that's a big thing in itself, a big big ask to fly over to America and ha- and how you're going. Is it tough in any way? And what are the what are the pros generally that you found with the lifestyle? Yeah, so um, America came about because you know I was interested in the NCAA system when you know around that year ten age when I started to get good. I was like, oh, where can running take me? you know, and sort of looked around and thought the NCAA system was pretty cool. And then, you know, knowing people like Kai Robinson, Pat Thigerson, who went over, you know, I had a chat to them and I was like, hey, how are you finding it? And they just love it over here. And so they sort of almost convinced me, you know, that sort of sold me on the idea of coming over and trying to do the NCAA thing. So, you know, I was sort of going through talking to coaches and, um, you know, I was um Kai's mentioned on however many podcasts he's been on you know the something like the Stanford degree you know the Stanford degree will last forever even if the running doesn't you know and I sort of wanted to live by that philosophy and so wanting to be an engineering student I just sort of looked up engineering rankings went down the list emailed coaches saying hey you know I'm interested in your school here's what I've run whatever you know email a bunch get replies back from virtually none of them and uh but yeah, the um the rice coach and I clicked pretty well. You know, he was fairly similar to how I was training back home, and the rice degree was great. And um, Houston's a massive city, and in the long run, I sort of want to fuse engineering and running a little bit. So I want to eventually get up into sort of prosthetic design, that sort of thing. I think 
Oscar Pistorius, you know, if yeah. he's getting banned from racing the able body athletes because his fake legs are too good, you know, that's, you know, his engineers done the right thing. So they've done their job well. So that's what I want to end up doing. And literally across the road from me, like I can look out my window and see it is the um Texas Medical Center, which is the largest medical research center in the world. So being able to do like internships and stuff like there, that there was a big draw to Rice. So that's why I ended up picking here. And then, yeah, flight over was pretty rough. So it was three hours Brisbane to Auckland, then like 16 or 17 Auckland to Houston. And I had four screaming babies in my section for the 16, 17 hour legs. So that was pretty rough. I think I still managed to sleep like six hours on my way over. But yeah, it was pretty rough coming over, if I'm being completely honest. But it, yeah, it was good. And, and then, um, yeah, settling into, sorry, you go. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I was just sort of saying, settling into life here. Like I said, the training is relatively similar to what I did back home. Maybe our sessions are a little bit longer, but it's nothing, we're doing nothing too radically different to what I did. I think the biggest difference here is one, the convenience of living on campus. Because back home, you know, it was a 30-minute drive to get anywhere, you know, to get oh, to training yeah, or whatever. So, so, yeah, like being able to roll out the door, my longest commute is a 12-minute walk, you know, from my room to the track and all my classes are closer than that. So, you know, being so close in on the action has been great. And um, just the resources you get as a student athlete through the NCAA system are phenomenal. Like if I go like a niggle, like today I sort of, had my hammy feel a little bit tighten up, stop the session early. And normally, you know, back home, you sort of jog around for a couple of days, mill about and go, oh, do I want to go to the physio? Oh, the physio is expensive, whatever. You sort of procrastinate for a week on that. Then you go, right, i got to go to the physio. You book in, the physio is only available next week. So then that's another five days of dealing with something. And then you actually see the physio and get yourself sorted out. Whereas here we have access to our... Um, athletic trainers which are essentially like the team physios so i literally just walked from the track into their room said hey my hammy's you know feeling a bit iffy and got treatment straight away and so i feel like that's been the biggest thing for my running is having resources like that you know there's ice bath hot bath that sort of thing in there as well you know muscle stimulator dry needles you know whatever i need to recover properly is there so that's been great and what about the hardest stuff? Challenges over there? What, what have you found has been tough? Some of my classes are definitely rough over here. Like <laughs> They say rice is a hard school and they mean it when they say rice is a hard school. Like I've had to, you know, pull a few midnighters to get some homework done in time and that sort of thing. But yeah, I've, settling in has been pretty easy. Like the team here are phenomenal. They've accepted me like nothing's, you know, like nothing's different. You know, so... Yeah, I think just trying to balance the school and trying to not go out and live the college experience too much. You know, you don't want to go out partying too hard yeah. every night when you're trying to train as well. So Yeah, it must be a bit of a lure that, the party scene. It is a bit, but, you know, the team's pretty disciplined. So when everyone else is pressuring you to do the right thing, it's a bit easier to do the right thing than if it was just me on my own. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Hey, if we wind a bit here... Uh, in terms of what they're looking for 
in terms of like on the track and off the track. So academic versus your running ability. Do you need to have both at a high level or is it just one of them? And if we look at the running, are they more concerned about literally times you can run or events that you've achieved well in? You, you might've competed in slower races, perhaps at the end of year 12 where you've won it and you haven't had that time to put forward to a, a particular college. Like how does that work? Yeah, so they um they definitely care about both years. So if you're going to somewhere like a Rice or a Stanford or a you know Harvard, whatever, they definitely care about how you do academically. And because you know if you don't do well enough, they can't accept you into the university. Like that's just a cut and dry fact, no matter what the coach wants. Like they can make some concessions for student athletes, but it's you know you still have to be a pretty smart cookie to get in. And um, times are the easiest way to get a coach's attention because it's like, this is what I have run. But as I was sending emails to coaches, I had a YouTube playlist of all my races and sort of, you know, put my favorite races, the most impressive ones up the top. So, you know, if I had a fast sprint finish, I'd put that one up first and a couple of coaches, you know, saw, they'll like click on one video, see me have a fast sprint finish to win and they'll go, oh, you know, I like the kick on this kid. Let's get mm. him on a Zoom call, that sort of thing. So there is an element of that. And Vic Pasco from Ipswich Athletics Club, he's phenomenal because he goes out there and records every race of the QA meets. So yeah, I owe a lot to Vic as well. He's on, yeah, yeah, he's on YouTube everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. Who is that guy? Like, how old is he? What's he about? Does he have another job other than uh, videos for QA? Uh, so Vic is, um, he's on the older side. I don't know if he's retired or not, but, um, he's just a community coach with the Ipswich Athletics Club. And yeah, I think he coaches a few sprinters and jumpers and he just goes out to all the QA meets, records them, uploads them to his YouTube channel. You know, we sort of said, Hey, is there you know, anything we can do to thank you for what you've done? Because the videos, the races, you know, everyone appreciates them. And he just says, no, just subscribe to the youtube channel i get yeah. like one cent for every ad that gets played on it you know yeah. yeah 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 he's a great guy hey let's talk about your um so your actual training week you mentioned it very briefly before but i just want to hear about how that compares to your brisbane running and what the, what's that like when you're training specifically you said for i think the steeple and 1500 with some 3000s in there yeah so um Main differences is sort of everything's shifted a day. So, you know, it was Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday sessions back home. Now it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday sessions. All right. And then Saturday long run again on Sunday. So it's sort of everything's just shifted a day. Um, yeah, now uh, there's no hills in Houston. Like Houston <laughs> is flat as a pancake. So I can't get my Tuesday hills in like I used to. You know, and all my easy runs, I used to try and hit the hills as hard as I could but um, just can't do that here. Like it's physically not possible. But um, yeah, so Monday mornings is a sort of longer, more tempo type session. So we might do a mono, we might do just like a 6K tempo. Um, we might do a cut down like mile 1200, 800, 400, something like that. So there's that on a, um, there's a public dirt path like across the road from the uni. So oh, you've we'll got go a dirt path to do that. Yeah, yeah. So there's um dirt trail around the uni and then the park across the road. It's like a two-mile loop. So it's like three and a bit Ks. So we do that on a Monday. Um, maybe double and do some gym work in the afternoon. 
you know, the double's pretty short, like five, six K. And then gym work, I keep it pretty light just because I'm trending to the long-ish side. Like I'm not a huge dude. So um, yeah, strength work, end of Monday. Um, Tuesday is sort of like a medium long run. So I've converted to miles because I've had to integrating over here, but that's um, normally about around 19 Ks on a Tuesday. And then um, Wednesday is will be a longer track session. So that might be mile reps, you know, might do 16, 400s, which is a little bit different to back home. You know, normally we do that sort of thing on the UQ dirt path, but yeah, so we do that on the track here. That's something a little bit different. Um, yeah, Thursday will be another longish run. So just need to get 10 miles. So 16 Ks done in the day. I can split that up into two runs if I want. Most of the time I just do it in one and then strength again on Thursday. Then Friday will be a pretty quick track session. So today we had, um, it was three sets of 400, 300, 200, 100, and we were really ripping those. So there's that. And then Saturday, long run, Sunday, easy run. So the long run at the moment is like 25-ish Ks. And then the steeplechase, you know, Coach John might pick Wednesday to be a hurdle day or Friday to be a hurdle day. So we'll do the session over hurdles then. And then after um, Tuesdays and Thursday runs, we'll do a couple of drills over the hurdles, that sort of thing for the steeple stuff. And with it being so flat, is there a way that you compensate to develop that kind of strength you get over hills in the gym or any other way? Or do they just they don't do hills over there? Yeah, no, um, we... I um, do do more gym work here than I did back home to compensate. You know, I'm doing a lot of TheraBand stuff to work on the hip flexor and glute strength just because I don't get the hills. Um, we do some barefoot running here sometimes. Like at the end of a session, we'll um, just go on the soccer fields and do our cool downs barefoot to get some, you know, a little bit more foot strength that you can get doing hills that we can't get because it is so flat. So, yeah, so a little bit of like barefoot cool downs and a bit more gym work to sort of compensate for having no heels. Yeah, right. And speaking of uh, lack of shoes, what about shoes? What, what what do you wear for your runs? So I, I'm not as bad as Matt Hansen. Like, I don't <laughs> have as many shoes as he does, but I've got quite a few pairs. Um, Rice is sponsored by Adidas, so it's easy for us to get our hands on some Adidas shoes. So I've got a couple of pairs of their joggers, like the Solar Glides, the SL20s. They're, they're okay. They're nothing too crazy. Um, the Adidas performance shoes that we use for sessions are phenomenal. Like Their spike is arguably just as good as the Dragonfly, I reckon. I um, do some of my longer sessions in the Takumi Sen 8, which is their sort of 5K, 10K race flat. And then long runs, I like to use the ASICS Glide Ride 3s just because they're sort of nice and squishy you know we don't have to wear adidas stuff even though it's easier for us to get it you know if if it doesn't work for us there's a shoe store down the road and we can just go there and get some stuff ourselves but yeah yeah so That's any it. other any other shoes that have come out recently on the market that you've looked at and thought oh they look pretty cool i'd love to try those i've seen the Sorconi elite i think it's called they're like 300 oh the endorphin elite yeah, 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 that looks like a fun shoe. Like I've, I've read reviews of it and people just rave about that shoe. That looks like it'd be a blast, like that sort of thing. The Nike Invincible 3s look fun. You know, I'd like to try them on all like the New Balance Moors. 
I've seen a, a Mizuno as well getting around the BERT sessions. There must be a particular type of Mizuno. Yeah, um, I think they just came out with the Wave Rebellion Pro or something. Mizuno finally has an actual super shoe, which everyone's getting excited about because they were like the last to jump on the, the train. You know, when I was working in training, I was talking to one of the Mizuno reps and they sort of said, oh, you know, the super shoe thing they thought was going to be a fad like barefoot running was. And so Mizuno just sort of didn't go down that development route. And then the super shoes didn't turn out to be a fad. They were actually a thing. And Mizuno was like, oh, no, we're now two, three years behind on development. So they're sort of finally catching up with the market there. Yeah, it seems like a lot of the brands are catching up to, say, Nike. And it almost seems you can pick any of them and uh, find out what works for you. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely much better now. It was very much just Nike were the pinnacle when they first started coming out with like the Dragonfly, the Vaporfly, that sort of thing. But yeah, you're right, everyone has caught up and, you know, there's all the debate over whether the shoes are doping and stuff like that, but everyone has access to them now. So, you know, it's not like there's people who are being left out because everyone has them. Yeah, the thing I'm not a massive fan of, though, is the like the, the rules and laws around the track now, though, uh, in Australia or Queensland, for that matter. Like that 10K we spoke about last year, I was in the Saucony Endorphin Pros, I think. And yeah, time didn't count. So what do you think of that concept, particularly the older blokes like me out there who find it really tough to get into spikes, particularly like I'd be happy to do it for 800, but for 10 kilometers, that's a long way in spikes for an older guy. Yeah, it's definitely, I appreciate the rules that World Athletics has put in place. I just don't think that at like a more, you know, community or masters-based level that that is being implemented very well. So the rules definitely help to stop, you know, the shoe development getting ridiculous for the pros, that sort of thing. But you're right, you, you can't expect someone to, you know, who's, gone to park run a few times and says, oh yeah, I want to join a QA meet to then have to go and get a pair of spikes for their time to be legal. Like that's just not feasible. So I feel like there, there needs to be a way to almost split the divisions or whatever into like, you know, a, an official world athletics approved, you know, division with where you, everyone wears the spikes, the shoes are legal, whatever. And then have an anything goes race where, you know, any of the Masters athletes who don't have spikes or that sort of mm. thing can just go race. I feel like there needs to be some sort of split like that or, you know, maybe not not give you guys a time but put an asterisk next to your time and say, hey, you know, they were illegal shoes, so technically it doesn't count, but this is what you ran. Yeah, I, I do think the rules have a place, but I just don't think they've been implemented well. Yeah, I do wonder if it's affecting participation, for example, that 10K, as we spoke about, had about 10 to 15, and it was a championship event where we want yeah, the fastest 10K Queensland runners in it, and you were one of them, but um, yeah, that spanned a 42 to 3-minute finish there. Yeah, like, it's definitely a barrier to entry for people trying to get into track and field, like especially if you're you know, just getting into running, coming from park run, you definitely don't have a pair of spikes, and the rules, the way that they're implemented, just saying, hey, you're not allowed to run until you get a pair. And that's, yes. I don't think that's a very good system. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hey, mate, uh, it's the 11th of March, 2023. So what's the future looking like for Gus this year and next? And then further down the track, are the longer events on the cards, do you think? Or are you going to really give this a crack across the shorter stuff? 
So the calendar now is turning into outdoor season. So we've just finished our indoor season, as we were saying at the start, um, and NCAA Nationals indoors is happening as we speak. Um, but yeah, so outdoor track and field, mainly going to be focusing on the 1500 and the 3K just because the, um, the other schools in our conference, Charlotte, and um, we're moving conference at the end of the year to another one which has Tulsa in it and um they are phenomenal distance schools like to score at conference is going to take you to be a sub 29 10k guy in the 10k to score and so when the points are there in something like the 1500 and the steeplechase you know there's just more opportunity when those are in our conference at least somewhat weaker events so the coach is going to try and nudge me in the 1500 steeple direction but if i turn out to be a phenomenal 5k or 10k guy he's not going to ignore that you know if i start running out of my skin in a five or a ten you know i'll move to that but we're probably gonna tailor things more to like the 1500 steeplechase sort of range and what about the cross-country season over there will you get involved in that yeah so cross-country season is next semester so yeah yeah that'll be yeah definitely get into the cross-country stuff and i'll be running 8Ks and 10Ks of that. And uh, some hills there. <laughs> not in Houston, not in any of the Texas races, but maybe if we go into state. Yeah, you can move hills, around. Yeah. yeah, yeah, fair enough. Hey, mate, I've got uh, a bunch of listener questions here for you. There's a stack, like I'm talking 20 oh, of them, so I'm about to slide oh, through them and, and pick ones that uh, I think will work or maybe maybe they deserve it in some kind of way. I see Aiden Hobbs on here. Okay. Shall I What's start with Aiden? Yeah, shall I start with Aiden? Yeah, go for it. Okay, where's he gone? Disappear. Here he is. Uh, he's asked, will spinach smoothies work in a hydro pack? <laughs> so um he that's uh two callbacks. So when um one of my first long runs with those guys, it was like a trail run and whatever, and I didn't have my peas at this point. So Mum had to drop me off and mum's like, oh, it's a trail run. You know, you need the water pack, whatever you need to take your phone with you in case like they drop you and that sort of thing. And so, you know, they gave me shit for the rest of my time training with them for wearing the hydro pack on that run. Um, and yeah, after, um, after long runs, that sort of thing, you know, I'd always take a smoothie with me and it was always green because I chuck some spinach in it to get some iron and vitamins, that sort of thing. And they'd sort of turn their nose up at my green smoothie, but I couldn't taste it, you know, and the smoothie still tasted fine, but yeah, they were sort of taking the piss out of that a little bit. Hey, I've seen a good one here about the weather. What's your, if you had to pick your favorite running weather, and that that's all the question asked, like what would that be? That could be subjective a little bit to the type of run, but generally, yeah, in term, and you've been over America in the colder weather, what kind of degrees, if let's say you run a, a, a 5K road race back in Brisbane, um or in general really because what kind of weather would you expect to perform in gus we're talking something around 10 degrees um, sunny overcast like humidity a, yeah let's <laughs> <laughs> back to gold coast um no nah, sort of around that 10 to 15 i think like a 10k or like a 5k is probably the best for running fast but because i enjoy racing you know i enjoy fast sprint finishes I prefer it to be a little bit warmer. So like around that 20 degree sort of range, just because it's easier to get the legs moving faster and that sort of temperature range. So yeah, around 20 Celsius. I don't know what that is for Fahrenheit for 
any of the Americans that might listen to this, but yeah. And would that be your ideal for a 1500? Like surely the, the shorter the distance, the warmer you'd prefer to, yeah, to a degree. Yeah, so yeah. To a degree, of course. Yeah. Like 25 is probably ideal for a 15. You know, it's just warm enough that you know, you're not going to get cold at any point during the race, but it's not roasting. You're not dripping sweat by the end. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, that's come from Benjamin to Tijerina is the name I'm looking at. The next one's from yeah, Lockie but... Seymour. Do you know who that is? Yeah, Lockie's a BBC boy. Oh, right. He's asking when the mullet's coming. <laughs> uh, we um, joked about it back home as I was growing it out. So when I was coaching, you know, the guys were seeing my hair grow out slowly and, um, you know, everyone was joking about it. But uh, literally today, got it done today. As a bit of a joke, because we've got spring break coming up, so no one has to see it, and I'll fix my head in a week. But I haven't told mum about this yet, and mum's going to kill me when she sees this clip. So, yeah, no, the mullet has come lucky. It literally came today. Your question is well timed. Will she have a listen tonight, your mother? It probably. I'm going to have a, a few angry texts to wake up to in the morning. <laughs> hey, uh, a guy called Orlando Hunter has asked a question. Do you know him? Another BBC guy, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a pretty obvious question. Maybe more detail can be added in your position about American running versus Australian running. How does the competition stack up? The American running is just so much deeper here. Like, you know, you, we've got... Australia has those phenomenal guys like Stewie, Rambo, Brett, Jack, those guys. But we've only got probably 10 guys around that super elite level. Whereas, you know, at the NCAA level, there's, you know, I was, my sub eight ranks me like 115th in the NCAA alone. And so just the, the top end is sort of about the same as it is back home, but just it's so, there's so many more bodies between you and that top end. So it can sort of be a bit overwhelming when you, know, you can rock up to any random meet and you might think it's a no-name meet and there's a, you know, almost sub 14 minute 5k guy there so that's probably a big difference and then for training wise they hammer their long runs here like i'm holding on for dear life in all my long runs so that's a bit of a shock to the system what sort of pace are they when they say that they're chilling is about 410 per k on a long run so 410s is a quote-unquote easy long run and i'm dying but i i think one week i did like 25 at 350s which I, I was completely cooked after that. Jeez, wow. Hey, uh, we might finish the entire interview actually with this question because I think it's fitting about uh, US versus Australian running. So what do you miss the most about running back in Brizzy in Australia versus uh, America? So giving our your home country a shout out here. I do miss the hills I, and the trails. Like it was all my easy runs around me. There was a lot of trails, that sort of thing. And you know, I miss being able to you know, just sort of go out into the bush, you know, everyone, everyone over here is just like, oh, do you see kangaroos? I'm like, yeah, you know, on my trail runs off and do see kangaroos actually or snakes, that sort of thing, you know, there's just no wildlife around here. It's very, it's a very urban area. So I sort of miss running in like a more natural environment, like I was able to back home. So that sort of thing or running along the river, I miss because there's, there's bayous here, which is like canals and then pretty disgusting you know we say the brisbane river is disgusting but compared to houston the brisbane river ain't too bad so 
yeah, sort of missing that sort of thing. Excellent. Hey, mate, thanks for your time. Hey, uh, I've really enjoyed having the younger guests on the show. And uh, like someone like Matt Hanson now, I think he's sitting as the second highest listened to episode, uh, not to put any pressure on you, but it just shows the following some of you guys have out there, the connections you have at such a young age uh, amongst the running community. And certainly the older uh, runners will uh, listen in and get something out of what you've done. And, and particularly those boys or young men looking to go across to America. Yeah, Matt's got, he gets like 250 kudos on each Strava activity. <laughs> like the man is, he's definitely a running influencer to say the least. But we might not no, get Thanks there. for having me on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been good fun. No, you've done great, mate. 20 year old, but sound like a 30 year old. So uh, thank you very much. Thanks for your time. Cheers, mate. Catch you later. If you enjoyed listening to this episode or the local legend in running podcast in general, please jump on Spotify, give it a rating. I'd much appreciate it. Thank you.